I'm Julia Bramble. And I'm Ian Anson Gray. Welcome to the Free Range Social Show. <laughs> As always, this podcast episode is a recording of a live show where the audience was able to interact with us. And if you'd like to be part of one of these live shows, then head on down to freerangesocialshow.com so you can find out when our next live show is. <laughs> Join us and you can ask your own questions and get involved with the discussion. So, without further ado, here is this week's show. Welcome to the Free Range Social Show with Ian Anderson Gray and Julia Bramble. It's social media uncaged. Your social media marketing moving. Hello, welcome to the Free Range Social Show with Ian Anstergray and Julia Bramble. And the cat that I'm being given the evil eye to to tell her to keep off and not jump on my lap. What is your cat called again? You have to remind. <laughs> the cat is called Smudge. Smudge, yes. I will remember that one day. Yes. But we don't well, have I'm any sheep <laughs> in the show and, or cows. But uh, we have a cat in the room. But um, anyway, enough of that. What are we talking about today, Julia, in this fine free range social show? Today, at this, on this, at the appointed hour for this fine free range social show, this day of 2019, we are talking about um, what brands and agencies and those with generally bigger budgets and bigger marketing teams than us smaller setups what they are up to in the world of social and digital marketing or at least the stuff that they're telling us about anyway what's new for them what's working for them what they are trying out and yeah good stuff like that basically because i was recently at the digital marketing world Mm. forum event as a guest of talkwalker very kind of them so i attended lots of talks given by these guys um, Facebook were there. There were some talks also by people who built software to accommodate various needs of businesses around this whole area as well. And then, as I said, the actual some of the actual brands, people like the Met Office, Bloom and Wild, Birdseye, Sage. You know, quite a lot of big brands were there talking about what they're up to. Smaller ones as well. And yes, we have the cat. So it was really useful to pick up some key themes from the day that we could maybe take as ideas and adopt into our own businesses, which is why I thought I'd talk about it today. Excellent. So you wouldn't say if you're a small business watching, you know, switch off now? No, not at all, because (laughs) it was quite interesting, actually, because some of the stuff they were talking about, I feel that as small businesses, Mm. we've already, a lot of us have already maybe tried out and capped and sort of been there, done that to a certain extent. But some of the stuff that they're talking about, yes, is obviously maybe a little bit further out of their reach, but there are ideas there. And what's working for them on a larger scale, I'm sure that we can actually take in a, a sort of maybe more scaled down way mm. and use in our businesses as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely agree. So I think we can learn a lot from some of the bigger brands out there, but we probably have to tweak them. I mean, you know, certainly some of the big brands, I assume, have got bigger budgets. Well, at least they're spending yeah. bigger budgets than uh, maybe... Yeah. The rest of us can uh, put put into our, you know, invest into social media and marketing in general. But we can learn a lot from that. Just a few. Uh, oh yeah, we've got uh, who else have we got? Oh yeah, so Mark Markle. I think we we mentioned your glorious Newcastle, glorious Newcastle at the moment. But uh, apparently he is 
heading to now how do you pronounce that is it Solcum? Yeah, Sulcum oh, at the weekend for a Sulcum's wedding beautiful. and the weather might not be so good. Oh, well, we'll see about that. And Oh, but Sulcum's so beautiful anyway. Yes. Where is it? Where is it? I, I... South Devon. That's right, yes. So in your, uh, your yeah, neck of the woods. Hour, an hour and a half away from us. Right. We were there at Easter. Fab. And we've got Sasha is here, miserable Hi, in Compton Newbury at the moment, pouring down. Oh, dear. Why are you making me feel better? Thank you. <laughs> Still dry in Manchester, but um, yeah, we'll see. Anyway, enough about the weather. So this was in London and this was the end of May, I think I'm right in saying. Was that right? Yeah, it was just before half term. Just before so, half term. Yeah, right before the, the of madness May. of half term. We've had two weeks, two weeks of, the, of half term with the kids. For some reason, yes. we have two weeks. And we've got, just got a guinea pig as well. I was just thinking I could bring the oh, guinea what? pig in here and yes. make you feel better. Put it on the screen and then the cat would just try and attack the screen probably to get the guinea pig. That probably. would be marvellous. Probably. So anyway, um, <laughs> so, so what was your, what was your, what were you thinking before you went to this event? Did you have any kind of, you know, what did you think it was going to be like? And then how was the day generally for you? I went with an open mind. I mm. had a look at the agenda and I saw there was quite a lot about influencer marketing. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's not a great surprise, I guess. Um, a lot of businesses and brands will be looking at influencer marketing now, even if they haven't already done. Um, a couple of things that did strike me. I'll tell you the main themes that came out of the day that everybody was talking about. And then we can delve into these a little bit more, maybe. So everybody was talking about influencer marketing, obviously. Then they were also talking about Instagram and especially Instagram stories like mm. some businesses haven't tried them yet other businesses were using them and seeing great success and then there was a lot in between and then the third scene that everybody seemed to be talking about wasn't influencer marketing per se but it was micro influencers so scaling it all down I think it felt like you know we're seeing a lot of people talking about influencer marketing and how you have to be really careful and, and all the disasters of influencer marketing over recent years and stuff like that. It felt like these guys had very much already sort of sucked that up and kind of got on with it and moved to a different era where they weren't necessarily bothered about the big names in terms of influencers anymore, but they were very much more interested mm. in working with micro-influencers. And that, for me, was quite a surprise because I think in, well, certainly in my little bubble, we're still hearing people talking about the fallout of things like maybe the yes. fire Festival and stuff like that and telling people how to work with big influencers. But that just didn't seem to be so relevant, mm. well, to this audience anyway. So that was really interesting. It's really interesting. So was there, was there an assumption that everyone knew the concept of micro-influencers? And, did, you know, was there any talk on what, what is the definition of a micro-influencer and, and the advantages and disadvantages in using micro-influencers? Was there any of that kind of conversation? Yeah, to some extent mm. there was. I mean, it was because it was covered in panel discussions and talks as well. So more in the talks they would talk about who a micro-influencer was. But I mean, it could be anybody. It could be you or me. It could be anybody with a following of, you know, probably like 500 or so. Mm. It, it wasn't somebody who had a massive following on social media. That's basically the point. But it's somebody who does have an engaged audience who very much do listen to what that person is saying. Mm. So they are influenced by them. What struck me hugely was that as a, a whole industry has grown up around this micro-influencer thing now. So that 
there was one guy there from a brand whose name I can't remember, which is very helpful. <laughs> um, but they put together this software, which is basically um, a marketplace for micro influencers and brands. So brands basically go out via this company and put out almost like a tender on this software. And then micro influencers can pitch for that particular piece of work. And they do that by providing a, a sort of like a mini piece of content that the brand can then look at all these like mini mm. pieces of content and decide which micro influencer or sirs they want to work with. But what these guys also do as well as providing the software is they also go and check out these micro influencers as well to make sure that all the other stuff um all the other stuff will work out like they haven't just gone and bought followers on Instagram like their followers are actually real like they're not posting like nightmarish other stuff that would just be a no-no for that particular brand and and all that kind of stuff so there's this whole whole new world really grown up around not the big influencers but the micro influencers who are just ordinary people who happen to be out there on social like talking with their friends or whatever or talking with the, the community that they've grown up but they can now make quite a good living on the side, if you like, by producing these pieces of content for these brands. Now, that's really cool. And it's going to be very interesting for smaller businesses to see whether this is something that they can use, you know, we can use. And I've even heard of talk of nano influencers. I think it may have been in Mark Schaefer's book, The Marketing Rebellion. So it's a really interesting, interesting time. I mean, we've certainly had a lot of fallout and a lot of con controversy about the big influencers but it's really interesting to see how the bigger brands and businesses are using micro influencers mm. so that's that, that's really cool yeah it, it is really cool because it just it gives you an insight mm. into the way that they are seeing the opportunity that you know and it wasn't massively costly either you know this guy was saying for like i don't know a few hundred dollars or whatever, you could actually get a really good result. So he had brands paying maybe a few hundred or a thousand dollars and seeing a really good result. Okay, that might be beyond our reach. But then if we work with a micro influencer, say who might do some bartering or something like that, then you know, we could be doing similar things mm. as a small business. There was a really nice case study shared by I'm just checking the name because it was mums net wasn't net mums it was mums net who of course over the years have built this massive community of mums on their website on Facebook and everywhere else and they are now using those mums as influencers in their own right so they were talking about um, a campaign that they did with McDonald's who apparently were wanting to get some feedback on their kiddie meals that they create, whose name has just escaped me. But you know, they do like the kiddie meals in the boxes. So they wanted to get feedback from real mums on them. So the first step in this campaign was a survey going out to mums. And they got the feedback from the survey. And they realized there were lots of different um, things that mums wanted them to improve. And a lot centered around wanting more decent food, for example. So fruit rather than chips being an option and being able to get water and not have to have fizzy pop and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So they rejigged happy meals. That's the word. So they rejigged these meals, relaunched them out and then used um, influencers, again, provided by Mum's Debt to help get the word out about their revamped happy meals and about their relaunch. Mm. And the really clever thing that they did was that they weren't putting out a message that 
they wanted all these mums to share. What they very much wanted was for the mums to create a message that would be in their own voice, that was their own opinion, that would therefore resonate with their individual communities of basically friends who would also be mums. So there were some mums who were already buying Happy Meals quite regularly and stuff like that. So they went out and talked about, you know, how they loved the fact that healthy food was in their bloody blah. There was another group of mums, for example, who would only ever buy a Happy Meal when they absolutely had to. And it's interesting that McDonald's would even think about using that group, isn't it? But these mums have also got some influence. So they had, for example, times when they were at a service station and the only and they wanted to quickly buy some food for their kids that wasn't going to cost a fortune and maybe wasn't wrapped in plastic either. So the only option was to use a McDonald's. Um, but when they had to, they were really pleased to see that there was now healthier food in it. Ah, smart. Um, so they were, yeah, so they were encouraging mums to put their own opinion across and to actually use something that resonated with their audience. And basically that campaign was a huge success. I think they said they got a 3% uplift on sales or whatever for the months that campaign went out, which for them was a really big deal. So that was using a whole gang of micro-influencers, but using them in very sort of individual ways. I think it's really interesting. I was particularly interested in the fact that McDonald's were were kind of also targeting people who would not be their normal target audience. Mm. And... You know, I, I think that's really smart, you know, and, yeah. you know, thinking personally, like I don't go to McDonald's hardly ever, but when I was in Poland, I ended up going to McDonald's quite a few times because it was the only place I could get a decaf coffee. And actually, sometimes there's, it, it's like a reliable place to go for certain things. So, yeah, if, if they if they had kind of targeted me with a few other things, maybe I would go to McDonald's more often if if they started to do healthy vegetarian options. Maybe not, but anyway. You know, yeah. But but it's it is interesting. It is interesting. So yeah, if you're if you're watching or listening, let us know whether you have had an experience as a micro influencer, or whether you have uh, you have worked with micro influencers, or whether you would actually hire a micro influencer for your business. Uh, it's an interesting one. Uh, I've probably been more on the influencer side as opposed to hiring one, but uh, yeah, I'd just be really interested in finding out more about that. Any it's any other any other any other big things on on the day? So there was a talk of influencers, particularly micro influencers. Um, what was the kind of other topics of the day? The other topics of the day: Instagram and hey. Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. So the lady from Facebook was allegedly talking about influencer marketing, but she basically talked about Instagram. <laughs> I wonder why. And, does does yeah. like does does Facebook own Instagram or something? Yeah. But a lot about um, influencer marketing using Instagram and, of course, talking about the micro-influencers again. But a lot of what she was talking about was Instagram stories. And it was interesting. It was interesting to me how few businesses seem to actually be using them yet. That was really interesting. I'll come back to that in a minute. But the, the thing that she was also talking about was IGTV and how Instagram, Facebook have got big plans to make IGTV sort of even more popular than it already is. So that was interesting. We've already seen that IGTV, no longer do you just have to do the portrait mode in it, you can now create landscape video for IGTV. So they've kind of started to make it more more likeable, maybe, to fit in more easily with what people are already doing. And I think they've got some some big plans to make it even bigger. So that was worth mm. uh, that's worth putting a pointer in the sand about. 
But Instagram stories, yeah. The Met Office, um, they gave a brilliant presentation outlining like everything that they're doing on social, um, how their content differs according to the different platforms they're using, how they organize it all, how they sign it off. Massive, you know, massively useful presentation for anyone having to go through the same process. Mm. But Instagram for them, I think, has been a bit of a surprise, like just how much their followers have grown over the past year. And they, they gave one stat in particular, which is through the use of Instagram and having a decent call to action on there, they managed to drive 10,000 minutes of YouTube viewing wow. in just a month, just from Instagram over onto their YouTube channel. I mean, so that's how crazy. Do they, how do they do that? I mean, is, is, this through, is this through Instagram stories or Instagram? This was through Instagram newsfeed. Right. Um, okay. So yeah, yeah, this was Instagram newsfeed itself, but they are using Instagram stories mm. as well. So they're using Instagram stories to back up their newsfeed posts. So they're almost like promoting their newsfeed posts in their stories to get more views on their posts. And then in their posts, they'll give you the call to action to go across and watch their more educational videos on YouTube. So they've got like a different content strategy for each platform and then they're tying them all together. So YouTube is for the sort of longer form, more educational content. That's, inter that's interesting. It's kind of funny. Yeah. So, so the Met Office, so, well, f Facebook, we're going on about Instagram and Instagram stories and IGTV. And then it kind of makes me laugh slightly that then uh, you've got the Met Office talking about how amazing Instagram's been, but they're pushing them over to a competitor of IGTV, YouTube. Yeah. So that, that's kind of interesting. And we've got uh, Mark Orr here says, um, it, yeah, I, I kind of feel the same, Mark. He says, I love Insta stories, but I, I never watch IGTV. Uh, I, I've kind of used IGTV maybe once or twice, but I have to say, I don't hardly ever watch it. I, I wonder, you know, what do you think about that, Julian? Was there any talk about, is, is IGTV work really working? Or, or was the talk more about, were people talking more about uh, the advantages of Instagram, the feed and the stories? They're talking, generally, the brands are talking much more about stories mm. and how they're working for them. And obviously, a lot of influencers and micro-influencers are using stories as a way to get their message across. So that being one of the big themes of the day, they're talking about stories. But as an aside, I was using IGTV a lot until the end of last year. And then I stopped because I kind of wasn't getting much response and mm. stuff like that. And I, I thought there was like better uses of my time, potentially. And I did one again last week. I thought, I'll just see because things have changed and you can now see the IGTV little clip in the news feed, can't you? Um, so you get a, like, a little prequel, if you like. You get a little snippet oh, and then okay. you can click through to the main video. So at the end of last year, some of my worst performing IGTVs were getting like two or three views. True story, hashtag. The one that I just did, um, I got 200 views. Wow. How crazy is that? So I'm thinking... I'm going to be looking at IGTV again now. I mean, okay, I've boosted my Instagram followers by like 3,000 in the interim, but still that doesn't account for that massive difference yeah. at all. That's interesting. In and, my and, eyes. So, yeah. yeah. And of course, with Instagram, with IGTV, you can, if you have less than 10,000 followers on Instagram, you can direct people from your stories you to can. IGTV, whereas for anything else, you need to have over 10,000 followers. So yeah. that, that, that's good. Yeah. So yes, it's interesting. I think Facebook wants to push it more and more because they can, they can obviously tell basically that Facebook is <clears throat> in itself sort of 
dying on its feet really so they can see everybody shifting over to Instagram so they're almost like trying to make Instagram the the be all platform that does everything mm. um, and IGTV is obviously a component of that mm. having said that they weren't talking about it that much but there were people in the presentations talking about Facebook groups and just how massively successful they have been for some brands and businesses who have put some effort into growing them. And interestingly, the Met Office said that's one of the things that they are planning to do themselves because they can see huge advantage to that, having that sort of that captive audience and growing that loyalty um, and making sure they go back to them again and again. Well, we'll have to see. But it's, it's interesting, like the the seems like the domination of of the event so far at least are influencers or particularly micro influencers and then we've got facebook groups but particularly instagram yeah when we had a nice there was lots of stats shared about instagram stories obviously that you know they worked in different ways for different people yeah. but one of the take-homes of course is how do you increase engagement how can you use instagram stories to actually get people to engage with you because there was a panel where the guy from birds i said we've recently started using instagram stories and we found that we maybe didn't quite get the results that we wanted because we found that people were clicking through our stuff to go on to see their friends stuff so it's like there's a challenge there for brands and businesses who are probably pumping out stuff that isn't that compelling that yes. they've actually got to make sure that they are making their stories as compelling and as interesting as the stuff that we would see from our friends that we do want to go and look at. So that's kind of, that's a, a yeah. take on Well, I, I think you make a great point there about, you know, as, as compelling as our friends' content. And you could argue that a lot of our, our friends' content is not kind of mega professional. The, the, the design's maybe not as snazzy as the brand's Instagram stories. But actually, sometimes it's, it's actually the fact that it's overly snazzy that makes me push it on to the next one i'm not interested exactly. in that so i so I, I keep hearing from from people that you know make your brand like a person make it more personable mm. you know it doesn't have to be perfect uh, and just make it fun and I, I the only youtube ads i ever watch are when they're funny and engaging you know when you get the and i'm talking about the the, the promotions like this youtube video is sponsored by blah 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 and they yeah. just make it a bit more fun you know so yeah. I, th I think that's what we need to see bit more of we've got another so marco is is being great with lots of comments if there's anyone oh, else here do leave some comments as well it's, it's great <laughs> well, to have you mark great. but so mark says for me instagram is where i consume snackable i like that snackable quick yeah. content youtube is for longer form videos as i watch youtube on desktop and instagram on mobile which is interesting i actually yeah. i actually watch youtube on, on mobile as well but uh i don't watch instagram really on desktop so that's that's interesting any other yeah that's interesting anything else in the day you wanted to uh, well to, to echo what you just mm. said social cedar um obviously a social media type company were there and they were in a panel discussion and they were talking about how one of their challenges was to increase engagement um with their content and they said exactly that the minute they they look, took a look at what was working around for other people and they decided to add some humor into the content and the minute they did that increased their engagement rates hugely so that was nice to know bit of humor that's, always helps yeah, that's we are not alone <laughs> thinking about humor and i've now got a cat's backside sat on the notes that i 
made where I was going to talk about this. So you need, we need another webcam that's pointing down so we can see. Yeah, this, she's now it sounds watching. hilarious. Yeah. Oh, there was another. There was a nice little <laughs> tip, actually, from a company called um, Culture Trip, who are obviously quite a big company, and they're all about um, helping people have trips. So they're all about experiences. Oh, and they're yeah. obviously quite a big brand because they're at South by Southwest. And I think you have to have fairly deep marketing pockets to be able to have a presence at South by Southwest. And just a little, you know, to keep our feet on the ground here, they were saying that two of the forms of marketing, content marketing really, that worked really well for them um, over there, one was actually branding up some of the scooters out there that were ferrying people around, which reminded me of Agora Pulse and the tuk-tuks at Social Media Marketing Logs. I saw they did a campaign like that. So, yeah, going back to sort of, if you like, old world marketing. And then the other thing that they did, they said that was hugely successful, was actually creating postcards. And at the stand, you were you could go up to the, the stand and get a postcard and write it, and it would be mailed off for you um, as a piece of Love content that. marketing. So how cute is that? And they said, like, the postcards just disappeared, that, you know, people love them. Uh, so. Yeah, it's, sometimes it's that real-world marketing it it, it's it, we're so used to digital that actually going back to world, real world yeah. marketing helps. It, it reminds me, at Social Media Marketing World this year, there was uh, SEM Rush, which is a really fantastic uh, SE, SEO tool, and yeah. they had uh, they had one of those vending machines. So, but oh, in wow. order to, so there were loads of really cool things in the vending machine. You could get uh, like you could get some flasks branded with SEM Rush. You could get USB converter things. There was you know loads of geeky things in there. But in order to get one of those things, instead of putting money in, you had to tweet something. So I don't know if you ever seen anything mm. like that, but I thought that was really really cool. And the queue went forever <laughs> it was just absolutely mad i actually gave up i just I didn't never I, I never actually got near it but it was a lot of popularity on that one that's brilliant isn't it i love that so there you go if there's any brand or business out there mm. that's going to be exhibiting at an event soon if you want to get buzz around your stand there's a really good strategy for you to try definitely Definitely. And we haven't charged you anything for that. No, no, this is totally, <laughs> totally free. We've got Lisa Monks here. I think this is the problem with oh, cross we've we've cross-posting this. And I should have mentioned this earlier. If you're watching us live, uh, we're actually cross-posting this to my Facebook page, Julia's Facebook page, and I think I've shared it elsewhere. And really annoyingly, Facebook does not allow you to to see all the comments in one place. So apologies if I've missed I it looks like I've missed that. So yes, yeah, so oh. uh, Lisa said I made a comment on Julia's page to say I've seen a big change in IGTV as well and she goes on to say I'm getting more eyes on my videos since they started pushing to the news feed so this is really interesting I, yeah. I will admit I didn't even know that that was being pushed to the news feed so this is first of all the fact that now you can broadcast landscape that really started getting me thinking about going back to IGTV but if they're also making it a little bit more uh, discoverable then I think that's going to be a good thing uh, much more but yeah, it depends whether you're, of course, all of this depends whether you, your, your audience is on IGTV, but if, if, sorry, on Instagram, but if they are, then I think it's a lot easier now to use IGTV if you, uh, if, if you've got the content already in landscape form. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Facebook, I think they've realized that mm. maybe they've made it just 
a little bit inaccessible and it wasn't working for people. So they are working to fix that. I think we can see some exciting stuff coming out over I, the next few months. I wonder whether, you know, they, they are trying to be a YouTube competitor. But totally. I mean, the, the thing is, uh, on IGTV, it's it's pretty, I mean, you, the only way really to consume it is on your mobile device, which, which is great. But, you know, what if you, people have... I mean, I watch YouTube on my TV, on my smart TV or, you know, yeah. or, or on my computer. So at the moment, it's very focused on mobile first. And I wonder whether they will change that a little bit or whether they're going to, that's going to be the thing that differentiates them from YouTube. Who knows? Yeah, maybe it will be. And maybe, maybe you are actually in the minority and maybe yeah. they know that actually the bulk of their audience are watching on mobile so it doesn't matter you're basically saying I'm, I'm an old fart aren't you i'm not saying that no that's, that's it's fine i wouldn't dare so, <laughs> so um yeah so she oh so lisa monks is, is uh, also saying my interview with you did, did she was i don't know who that was that with me or with you might have been i know lisa interviewed me so she's probably talking about you. me <laughs> Uh, it got about 227 views. So I assume, Lisa, you re-uploaded that to IGTV, which is cool. And she says her last interview prior to the change only got 72 views. So it looks like the discoverability yeah. is part of it. But I also wonder whether I wonder whether part of that is the change to landscape, whether people actually do prefer landscape. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Probably a combination of both, isn't it? Yeah. But time will tell time as will people tell. get more used to because now you see it you know if you're not used to seeing IGTV in your newsfeed you don't necessarily know that you've got to tap on that preview to actually go through to IGTV to see all the video and stuff like that so there is some sort of user education maybe needed mm -hmm. for a few months and then we might see what the real impact is definitely definitely that's good it's all pointing in the right direction it is so was there any other any other takeaways from from the day was that the, the main thing instagram they were the, facebook they were and, the, and, yeah, yeah they were the main things obviously there was loads and loads of of other stuff as i said if you get a chance to hear the the presentation from the met office at all i've seen something similar actually at um an event here next to the mm -hmm. like minds event I had a presentation from the met office and they were talking about you know how they've had to embrace social and digital and stuff and move away from you know just being a forecasting channel that people watched on the tv to actually becoming a publisher and thinking yeah. where the publishers happen but actually going through their whole process and how they plan their content and sign it off and how they've got the different strategy yeah. from all the different platforms it's it's a little work of art so it's a good presentation and it's a funny one because like if you're a brand or a company like the met office i mean the met office to me is not Put it this way, if if I just joined Instagram, they are probably not the first place I would follow, the first business I would yeah. follow. But uh, I can imagine, and, and actually, you know, after the show, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and I'm gonna check out the Met Office because it sounds really interesting. But it sounds like they're they're doing some really interesting things. So I think if you're a company that may seem boring to a lot of people, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't find it boring, but it, to a lot of people, they probably find the idea of the Met Office boring. So how do you, how do they differentiate themselves? How do they make themselves sound interesting? And so it's, it, it is interesting to see how those brands are trying to, to use these new f f forums and technologies in, in really innovative ways. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And they've now also got a gazillion competitors, of course, in, in the ah, form of yeah. apps that are, are giving weather forecasts. So they've had to go kind of beyond the realms of just providing a weather forecast and actually yeah. providing lots of other stuff as well, or providing the forecast in a very 
focused way on a way that's focused on what their viewers on that particular channel mm. want. So, for example, they were talking about Snapchat and they've built their viewers up, their followers up there um, quite substantially recently. But they're talking about, you know, they'll provide the forecast then at college kicking out time, for example, because they know that that's who the bulk of their followers are, or college students who want to know whether they're going to get wet while they walk into the bus yeah. stop or whatever else, you know. So it's all clever stuff like that. That's really cool. And I think we can look, we can learn a lot from this because although we may not have a small businesses, we may not have the same uh, number of people, we won't have the same number of people or resources to be able to tackle all the different platforms out there. We can, we can repurpose that content. So we've, mm. the fact that the matter is now on Instagram TV, you can repurpose into to landscape content and you, but, but don't just put it out there all at once, you know, follow the example of the Met Office and see when the best time to post is on a particular channel. Uh, I love that example of Snapchat. I'm still kind of slightly yeah. surprised they're using Snapchat, but there are obviously yeah. lots of people that use it in the world. But yeah, that's uh, that's something that I think we can learn a lot from actually. And I think it, it's, it's almost more important as a small business with limited resources that we really plan things and we use our use what we have wisely. Um, yeah, it's that it's that smart thinking. That's what I really love about the Met Office's yeah. approach. Yeah. yeah. That's brilliant. Well, let us know in the comments, or if you are if you are listening to us, let let, let us know what you think about this. Uh, do you will you be using IGTV? Will you be uh, looking more into micro influencers? Will you be going adopting landscape as opposed to portrait? Are you a portrait or landscape person? I'm just kind of interested in that. Let us know what you think. Uh, we'd love to know. And also, let us know if there's any topic you'd like us to cover in future yes. weeks, because uh, yeah. We, we want to do what you want us to talk about. Yes, and then we don't have to make our brains ache quite so much in dreaming up oh, music bits either, it's, do we? Yeah. It's hard, isn't it? It's it's a hard life, you know, but, you know, when, you, when you've got uh, kids to, to look after and you've got, you've got farm animals as well, haven't you? So, I mean, yes, and guinea and pigs and cats. donkeys yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, so. all sorts. <laughs> wonderful right well i don't think it's a bank holiday next week but uh, is there another bank holiday coming up at some point august is the next one yeah, august so is the next we've one. got a little bit of time yeah, yeah so uh and we Get should be getting that. a few guests on as well which is good so yes. you don't have to just pull up with us too but uh we've had some lovely lovely comments thank you so much for all the comments Absolutely, if you're listening you. to the podcast then do just go down to facebook.com forward slash free range social and you can get involved with the show, which would be great. It would. It would be lovely. So how can people find out more about you if they have not heard of the infamous and wonderful Julia Bramble? <laughs> Where can they find out more about you? You can find me on the socials, any of the socials at, as Julia Bramble. Um, and I do love my Instagram. So if you want to come and follow me on Instagram, please do. Mm. I've got one account, which is Julia Bramble. And I've got another account, which is all my photos of Devon, which I am really enjoying building. And that's, that's called at Celebrate Devon. So if you want to come and find that one, please do. You need to follow Julia. She's a f absolutely fab on, on Instagram. Instagram stories, everything. She's she's a pro, which is great. And also, just before I, I show where I am, uh, we've got just to say that Matt uh, Sarsen is here, which is great. So hi, Matt. Hey, hiya. Hi there. Uh, Lisa also says, I may try landscape on IGTV and see how that goes. So let us know. Mm. Uh, and then also Matt, uh, Mark Orr says, coming from a video background, it has to be landscape video for me. 
Yes, I know what you mean. So yes, you can find you can find me. I've callously scattered myself across the socials as well. So I'm um, <laughs> just search for my name, Ian Anderson Gray. I'm on Instagram. It's I A G D O T M E. Twitter, Facebook, you name it. And um, we really look forward to seeing you again next week for another free range social show. So. Toodaloo, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That was the Free Range Social Show with Ian Anderson Gray and Julia Brown. See you next week. Better attend to those cows.